Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. How you doing, Church Alive? You doing good? About 14 of you are doing good. What about the rest of you doing good? Praise God. You know, I do want to say, whether it be a men's weekend or a woman's weekend, I do want to say that often in Scripture, in the Old Testament, they would literally go away and they would go away or they'd go to Israel and they'd go often for seven days. So don't think it's abnormal to, to commit to a conference for not just a night, but a couple of days because it actually, I've been going to conferences now for 18 years. And I'm telling you today, one of the best things I ever did was just keep showing up again, keep showing up again. And so, and what I realized too was I didn't just need to go to a conference. We need to make that type of weekend available for our church so that the men and women of our house literally go, oh my goodness, I got my life rocked there. And how important is that? Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice right now, those watching online, those kids in our kids' space, those teachers teaching, Lord. I thank you for them. But more than anything else, Lord, I step out of the way that you might step in. Holy Spirit, I invite you, I honour you. Lift up Jesus in this place. Lift up the resurrected Saviour in this place. Strengthen people, strengthen minds and hearts, God. God, uh, push distractions away. Lord, impart vision, I pray. Lord, I pray over your people a spirit literally of faith a spirit of courage, a spirit of might, a spirit of power. I continue to pray over your people, Lord, that they would be great and do great exploits. I continue to pray over your people that they'd be humble though and it wouldn't be all about them, Father. I just pray over your people, Lord, for strength and courage. Lord, I pray for anyone dealing with sickness in their body. In the name of Jesus, touch backs, minds, hearts, Lord, lungs, every part of people's body that might be dealing with sickness. And I pray for minds that they'd be aligned to the will of God in Jesus' name. Why don't we pray this simple prayer? Say, Jesus, speak to my heart change my life. Allow Your Word to teach me, instruct me, encourage me, correct me where I need it. Align my mind, align my heart to Your purpose. Father, make to be who You've called me to be. Thank You, Jesus, for Your incredible grace. And at Church Alive said, Amen. Can we give God praise? Come on, one more time. Come on, can we give God praise one more time? Sorry, actually, stay, stay standing. Andrew and G, come up here quickly. How many appreciate Mr. Hartwig and his lovely wife, G? You may not know them yet, but you will. I um, did this in the first service, but I feel like it's so important to do this. Um, Andrew Hartwig has just become our new youth leader on uh, Leading Fridays and Ori and Xander were leading in this last season and they just felt like their season was up and I'd kind of been watching and praying over them and thinking over them uh, for quite a while. My wife had, the, the pastors on team had and um, I was just so encouraged a while ago when I talked to him and he literally told me the next job he took, which was, I don't know, a year ago, he, he knew that that job um, could be adjusted in schedule and he felt like the Lord was like, 
I gave you this job. Can you give it up whenever you need to? And uh, I could just tell God was stirring his life and faith. And so we're just believing for this next season, Mrs. G. And uh, we're just believing over you for a fresh oil and a fresh confidence and that you will just impact more people than you know. And the love of Jesus is going to pour out of your life. And then, Andrew, I believe that you're going to have a fresh word in a new season. God anoints you for this season you step into that um, ideas and words and creativity is going to flow, up, but not just upon you, across, across the whole team. And um, I'm believing like within one year, like we're going to see incredible fruit. You know, it's God wants to do a quick thing. He's going to give you words for people that they don't even see the gold in them. And you're going to be able to say it in them and call it out of them. Uh, I believe for that prophetic mantle to fall on you. So would you stretch your hands towards them? How many believe our young people need great leaders? Yes, they do. So come on. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for G. I thank you for Andrew. And I just believe over the whole team, everyone that serves on a Friday night in our youth ministry, those who need to, those who are going to, God, that you would send the right people. And I believe for a fresh anointing upon middle school, upon high school. I believe for the call of God and the plan of God and a fresh oil and a fresh anointing to break every chain, to just make that be the most incredible place to come because life is flowing there in Jesus' Name. Father, pour out Your Spirit in a rich way, we pray, in the Name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Go ahead, grab your seat. Do you like the person next to you? If you don't, quickly move, quickly. Just quickly move. I've been um, in the will of God recently because I've been playing Monopoly. I want you to see a picture. How many of you grew up playing Monopoly? Any Monopoly players? How many play it still to this day? Okay, a couple of us. I don't know why we resurrected Monopoly recently in our house. We bought it and brought it back and I've been playing it with my kids. It's a good time. It's interesting the, um, the personality traits that you see when you're playing Monopoly, right? Uh, my daughter's very compassionate. I'm about to go bankrupt. She feels bad for me. She's like, Daddy, you can have $100. And, and my son's like, crush his soul. I am going to smash you. And you see the different personalities coming out in, in Monopoly. Um, I've been trying to help my kids win. Now, I don't want them to beat me. I just want them to beat other kids. So I've been trying to help them. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping strategy hints. I'm like, listen, get three houses quickly. As soon as you get the three houses, that's the game changer. They still don't listen to that. Uh, they'll do the one or two houses sometimes. I think Ben's starting to learn. I think he beat his friends last night. Is that correct? Ah, they teamed up. Okay. That's, that's the way it was. All right. There was a six-hour Monopoly game in our house last night. Six hours, seven hours. That's not God. That's weird. <laughs> I don't know what you guys were playing. You should speed it up. Two and a half hours is enough. Uh, my wife, though, she was like, I don't like Monopoly. I like crossword puzzles. That's not godly. <laughs> and then when she gets stuck, she'll ask me, Bay, what's the word for this? I'm like, I don't like that game. I don't like words, even though I speak. <laughs> I'm really teaching them how to think, trying to teach them how to succeed, trying to teach them how to win and uh, then sometimes my daughter might say something to me like daddy I got my own strategy 
but I beat her every time. So obviously your strategy is wrong. I've noticed in life that God has a strategy. God actually wants you to think a certain way. And haven't you noticed that sometimes you think you're better at monopoly than God is? You think you're better at life than God is. And then you run against a wall and go, oh, maybe He knows. Many of you come back to the faith because you ran against a wall and like, ah, oh, He actually knows the deal. God is trying to get you to think a certain way because the way He changes your life is through your thinking, through your heart. It's also through your actions. Romans chapter 12, that famous passage of Scripture, I think this is the NLT version, says don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. It says, but let God, someone say let God. Some, some say let the Father. Someone say let the one who knows more than you. Let the one who knows more than you transform you into a new t person by doing what? By changing the way you think. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you. I've been reading a lot of the book of Nehemiah recently. It's an incredible book on leadership. I'm preaching to you guys about it. And I just want to show you the incredible accomplishments that Nehemiah accomplished in a very short amount of time. He was a wine taster to the king and, and then God begins to break his heart for the things that broke God's heart. And he goes to the city and he begins to change it. And Nehemiah's accomplishments are really like an incredible instruction to us in leadership. He, he restores the vision of the city. Someone say vision. He restores the walls. Someone say walls. This was really about the protection that the city had. He restores the people. Someone say people. He restores families. Someone say families. He restored the worship and the choir and the singing. Someone say worship. He restores the word and God's covenant to the people of God. He restores honor. Someone say honor. He restores honor to the work of God. He restored leadership to the city of God. What's amazing about his life is all that he accomplished in a short amount of time. What I found interesting as I was thinking about the scripture recently is it never would have happened had he not been funded by, weirdly, here's what's strange, a pagan king who didn't know God literally believes that Nehemiah's assignment is so important that this king gives him all the resource to restore the walls. And I started to think to myself, why is it that a pagan king somehow saw the mission that God was about, where sometimes Christians don't see the mission that God is about? I want to teach some people today. I want to inspire and I want to challenge some people today that God wants to deal with your thinking. Here's what I found about God. He's not sorry either. God's not a politician. I've noticed that. He's not up in heaven, Gabriel. What do the people want? 58% say this. 41% say this, God. Okay, 58%. Let's go with them so they keep on voting for me. God isn't like that. God doesn't care what you think. God actually doesn't care what I think. He's like, I'm God. They need to discover me. I'm not running for a presidential position I'm the king. I already sit on my throne. I'm big, bad to the bone. You know what I'm saying? No, he's not bad. He's holy to the bone. But I didn't want to say error there. Thank you. 
In Nehemiah 8, there's this awesome celebration. Someone say celebrate. In Nehemiah 9, though, it's more of a somber service. Someone say somber service. They were taught the word, they were hearing the word, and it was somber. It was a time of repentance for them, basically because they realized that God had a covenant with them, that God's covenant with them, if they would obey it, they would sit in the land of blessing. But if they didn't obey it, they would actually literally be scattered and be spread about. And they realized that their situation was their own fault. So Nehemiah 9 is not one of those happy, clappy, like, services, like, yeah, Jesus. It was kind of like, oh, we suck. But do you know that sometimes you need to go, oh, I suck. I don't like that, Pastor Anthony. I just want to hear about how amazing I am. I think you're amazing, but sometimes you suck. So, because sometimes we need to come into the presence of God and go, oh, it's my fault. Because sometimes we go to counselors and they're like, oh, you do this because like your mother didn't paint your room the right color. And now, like, you're just acting out of that. And instead, you enable victims instead of go, oh, I need to change. And God needs to heal me and restore me. But first, I need to admit I'm wrong. You got to admit you're wrong sometimes. See, if a counselor doesn't help you see you're wrong and you need to change, you're talking to the wrong counselor. Why? Because truth sets you free. That wasn't in the first service. That, you must need that one. Someone's talking to the wrong counselor. That's just a word in due season. Nehemiah 9, they're repenting. And then Nehemiah 10, after they change their mind, they start to vow. Someone say vow. Someone say commit. They're kind of telling God out of His Word and His covenant they're now telling God what they're going to do in response to His goodness and His kindness to their lives. And so they begin to vow, and they vow a couple of things. They vow not to intermarry with other customs. And the Jewish nation was to be a holy nation, and they were not to marry other people of different faiths. They were basically to marry people who were the people of God. And they would often not do that. And, they, and then, like Solomon, it would lead their heart astray. And that is why, obviously, in uh, the Christian faith, the Christian, any good pastor would tell you, if you're a Christian, a committed Christian, you should probably marry a committed Christian. Like if they're a Satanist, that's not going to work. Or if they follow, if, they're, if you want to go to church every Sunday and they like going twice a year, that probably won't work either. I, I don't like to go. They're the wrong person for you. But don't worry, pastor, I'm going to change him. Uh-huh. I've read that book. Didn't go that well. And then they began to go Chick-fil-A on everyone. Their vow was, we're not breaking the Sabbath. How many times you go to get a chicken sandwich, you're like, why? Chick-fil-A, are you close today? Why, they're committed as a Christian business organization to say, hey, we're going to value family. We're going to value the things of God. And we're going to not work today. It's amazing how many times me as a pastor I get frustrated at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, why are you so committed to Jesus? Which I should never think that, but occasionally, how many of you have thought that from time to time? You're like, your thick shakes should be on Sunday. 
But their principles, and this is what the people of God were vowing, like, hey, we're not going to marry people of other faith. We're not going to violate the Sabbath. And then they say, listen, we're not going to dishonor you by keeping all our resource to ourselves. We're literally going to worship you with everything we are. We're going to make sure the house of God is funded, Nehemiah chapter 10. And so they begin to say this in verse 35, we promise to bring the first part. Someone say the first part of every harvest to the Lord's temple year after year. Someone say year after year. Giving doesn't change you occasionally. It doesn't change you occasionally. It's, it's, it's year after year. It's week after week. It's month after month. It's consistency that I found changes me. Verse 36, we agree to give our oldest sons and firstborn of all our herds and flocks. They're basically saying, God, we're, we're putting you first as prescribed in the law. We will present them to the priests who minister the temple of our God. We will store the produce in the storerooms of the temple of our God. We'll bring the best, someone say the best, best of our flour and other grain and offerings and the best of our fruit and the best of our new wine and olive oil. And we promise to bring to the Levites a tenth of everything our land produces for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our rural towns. And then the next uh, verse goes on to say, we promise together, someone say together, we promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. If you've read the teachings of Jesus, especially the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, he's talking to them about not being anxious about money. And he begins to say, seek first, verse 33, the kingdom of God is righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you as well. Who he's preaching to is Jewish people who are very aware. This is their framework. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 and Exodus and Malachi 1 and Malachi 3. He's very, he's preaching to a group of people that when he speaks to them about finances, he says, don't worry about money but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all of a sudden what happens is they go, oh, you're talking about these portions of Scripture. It's important that we understand how He was thinking about it, but how many of you have ever made a promise that you didn't keep? The front of the room, yes. Uh, back of the room, not so much. You guys, you guys are good? Okay, you Tony Robbins. I do everything I say. I walk across hot coals. Now, how many of you have made promises and not kept them? New Year's resolutions, and then three days later, you forgot? You're like, what was I going to do again? I've done that. How many of you, ladies, especially ladies? No, 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 no. You, you're waiting, waiting. Look at you judging me. You haven't even heard what I said. How many ladies have ever said, tomorrow I'm going to start a diet and then forgot? I've done the same thing. I'm like, tomorrow it's no sugar. And then the next day you're like, wow, this Cadbury Dairy Milk chocolate tastes amazing. How many of you have said, I'm no longer on social media? Not even looking at my phone anymore. I'm throwing my phone out the window. And then the next day, just. Why is he doing that? People of God had promised. Someone said promise. They had vowed. Someone said vowed. They had committed. Someone said committed. 
they had promised, they had vowed to honor God. But here's what's interesting, just like people, you and me, they failed to follow through consistently. So in Nehemiah, that's in chapter 10, in chapter 11, chapter 12, he's gone back to the king, which he said he was going to do. Now in Nehemiah chapter 13, he runs back to the city and he actually wants to see, are the people of God doing what they said they're going to do? Is the house of God a priority? What's, what's the deal with that? And Nehemiah chapter 13, he finds it in disarray and he finds it in disorder. Someone say disorder. In Nehemiah chapter 13, the last chapter of the book of Nehemiah, he says this, before this had happened, Eliashib, the priest, someone say the priest, who had been appointed as supervisor of the storerooms of the temple of our God and who was also a relative of Tobiah. Someone say Tobiah. Someone say, that's my relative. Someone say, that's my boy. Had converted a large storage room and placed it in at Tobiah's disposal. The room had previously been used for storing the grain offerings, the frankincense, the various articles for the temple, and the tithes of grain, new wine and olive oil, which were prescribed for the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers, as well as the offerings for the priests. Now watch this now. The priest, someone say the priest, was basically taking what the people were giving in the temple and was giving a handout to his boy, Tobiah. They were robbing God of what was God's and he was funneling it to his friend. And what does Nehemiah do? As a good leader, he actually fixes the scenario. This is so important. Verse 6, I was not in Jerusalem at that time for I had returned to King, his guy, that name that I can't seem to say of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign, though I later asked permission to return. So Nehemiah comes on back, verse 7. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Eliashib's evil deed. Someone say Eliashib. Someone say evil deed. In providing Tobiah, that's his cousin, that's his boy, with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. I became very upset and I threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. That's a leader right there, passionate, fired up. It wasn't like, hey, Tobiah, here's the best things about you. Here's the sandwich. You ever heard of the sandwich? Right? The sandwich is tell someone something good about themselves, then correct them, and then tell them something amazing. He just goes straight for the meatballs. Dude throws his stuff out of the place. Why? Because they were literally robbing from the temple. This is so important. I became so upset with him, I threw all of to buy his belongings out of the room. Then I demanded that the rooms be purified and I brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offerings and the frankincense. Don't be surprised when scandals happen. This is a scandal. Someone say scandal. This is when people were dishonest. The priest is giving kickbacks to his cousin out of the offerings of God. Has that ever happened in the last thousands of years? In business, government, church, has there ever been time? Let me say this, businesses, there's going to be scandals. Government, there's going to be scandals. Education, there's going to be scandals. Churches, there's going to be scandals. And sometimes we as people go, oh my gosh, there's a scandal in the church. But guess what? When the scandal hits the church, when someone's misusing money, when they're sexually immoral and it comes to the surface, you know what's happening? God's cleansing His church. 
And too many people stare at that moment and allow other people's dishonor to make them dishonorable. Don't allow other people's dishonor to cause you to be a dishonorable person. I can't allow, listen, don't allow other people's dishonor to rob you of the blessing of honor. So what does Nehemiah do? He fixes the situation and then he does this in verse 10. I discovered all the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food. Who are the Levites? There are those who would serve in the temple. So they and their singers were to conduct the worship services, had all returned to the work of their fields. They weren't getting paid, so they had to go back to farming. And so then all of a sudden, there was a lack of worship in the temple. But guess what? The temple was the place where the praise and worship would go up and the blessings would come down. Are you hanging with me? I immediately told them that it's okay. Oh, that's not what it says. All right, good. I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, why has the temple of God been neglected? Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, new wine and olive oil to the temple storerooms. You know, when my wife and I first started Church Alive, uh, that was about 11 years ago. Prior to that, our church was called Good Shepherd Church. It was her father's church um, that still operates in Kearney. And we had sat on that name. And, and then we were praying about for a while, like, should we change the name of the church? And we were talking about names. And should we do this name and that name? And we came up with like 30 different names on a list. And we prayed about it. And finally, I was like, babe, I think we should do Church Alive. Like, like it's alive. I like the name, we like the name, we thought it was a catchy name. We're like, yes, that should be the kind of church we're a part of. It's alive. And we looked in the area of New Jersey and we're like, we don't see any church alive around. Cool. We're not stealing someone else's name. So we changed the name of the church and called church alive. And our church is excited. Like, woo! People couldn't even spell shepherd. It was so strange. They're like, how do you email? We don't know how to spell shepherd. Like our, the goodshepherdchurch.org is a long email. Anyway, the next day after we'd incorporated the name and told our leaders the name, my wife Googles for some reason Church Alive, and like five towns away, there was, we didn't realize, a church called Church Alive. And they just had sex scandals and money scandals and they'd stolen like a million dollars from like the, the building fund and all kinds of stuff. And we're like, oh no, who's going to think that's us? Why didn't we see this a day ago? Like, it was like, why? Lord. It's like the Lord was hiding it from us. And then the next day she felt like the Lord put it on her heart. Because I'm going to redeem the name. There's always going to be scandals. Why? Because there's people. There's going to be business scandals and government scandals and education scandals and church scandals. But guess what? When God cleans his house, it's actually a good thing. But don't stare at it so long that you become hypocritical and you become critical and then you get a spirit of dishonor. Say, you know what? Just because someone else is dishonorable, that means I need to walk in even more honor. I need to treat God how He needs to be treated. I need to, 
I need to be an honorable person. Are you with me? See, God wants to work in you so He can work through you. Say that with me. God wants to work in you so He can work through you. One more time. God wants to work in you so He can work through you. But how does God do it? Does He work in you for like 19 years and then finally one day He works through you? Or does He kind of do it a little bit at a time? Working in you and through you, in you and through you, in you and through you. You're like, do you have to be perfect to serve Jesus? No, in you and through you. In you, He'll be working in you and then He'll be working through you. He'll be working in you and then through you. In you and through you. Lenny, come up here. I'm gonna, come here, man. Come on, give Lenny a hand. Jump up here, man. He was the one conspiring against my son last night playing Monopoly. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. What are we going to do with that? No, I'm totally kidding. You ever seen Cobra Kai? No. How many of you seen Cobra Kai? How many seen Karate Kid? If you saw the first Karate Kid, if you see Cobra Kai and you haven't seen the first Karate Kid, go back. Just reminisce. <laughs> this guy, Daniel Sun, is getting beaten up by these dudes. He finds this guy called Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi is going to teach him karate. So he doesn't know how to pay for it. So he comes to his very Japanese kind of house. He's got all these cars. He's like, hey, wax the cars. Daniel sounds like, all right. He starts working, waxing. He's like, no, 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 don't do it like that. Come on, stand up. Stand here. Now here's what you're going to do. Wax on. Yeah, wax off. Yeah. Other hand, wax on. Oh, wax off. Yeah, wax on. Yeah, wax off. Wax on. Wax off. And he, he cleans like 15 cars and his shoulders are sore and all kinds of stuff. And he's frustrated because he doesn't get the lesson yet. And then he comes over like a couple of days later and then his fence and he's repainting. He's like, you're going to paint the fence. He goes, okay. So he starts painting the fence. He's like, no, no, no. Hang on, Paint the fence. So I want you to pretend like this. Now hit my hand. Hop. Down. Hop. Down. Paint the fence. Paint the fence. Hop. Down. And he's, he's teaching him habits. Teaching him. Teaching him. Now watch this now. Hands in front. Okay. I'm going to throw a slow punch. It's going to be slow. He's probably quicker than me anyway. So, so I'm gonna, you're going to do this. Ready? So. So, 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 now, paint the fence. Yeah, wait, ready? Paint the fence. Wow. So, so, see, so, yeah, see, so, see, so, so, so. God is asking Miyagi. 
And then at one point, Daniel's son looks at him and goes, why do you do your own stuff? He says, Daniel's son! And he just starts throwing punches at him. And he's like, Max on, come on again, faster now. Let's go, faster. All of a sudden he realizes he's now becoming a warrior take a seat come on give Lenny a hand why this is so important why does God teach you to honor him with your finances I'm gonna give you a couple thoughts real quick he's teaching us to honor him as king He's teaching him to honor us as king. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? You're like, hey, can I have a steak? I want it medium rare. And they go and make some mac and cheese and they bring it to you. You're like, what are you doing? I ordered steak, medium rare, sizzling, salt on it, maybe a little pepper. And you brought me leftover microwave mac and cheese? Why would you feel insulted? Because they're not treating you with honor God has to teach his children how to teach him and treat him with honor and so he says I'm first does that make sense church every discipleship moment in our church every time we do anything in the community if we do something in Dominican Republic if we do something in India if we literally do a worship service if we have our kids if we do a youth ministry every moment of life change is a moment of worship to God that you are a part of as you pray, serve and honour Him. You're a part of it. You get credit for it. And here's the amazing thing. I promise you, my wife and I have been doing this 18 plus years now. The first line in our budget is the Lord and we look to be generous above that and so forth. But I promise you, if we hadn't been doing that, over these last 18 years, do you know how disconnected our hearts would be from His kingdom? Do you know how disconnected our hearts would be from the house of God? Do you know how disconnected our hearts would be from His mission? There's so many leaders in our church and I promise you, if they never got this principle, their hearts would be completely different. We might lift our hands in worship, but it's like the presence of the Lord wouldn't quite show up because He's like, you like to do this, but you don't do this. This is why God teaches us. Let me go here. Third thought, real, uh, second thought, real, he's weeding pride out of our heart. He's weeding pride out of our heart. I'm running out of time. Goodness, I've got so many more notes. Third thought, he's teaching us faith in his provision. Luke 22, verse 35, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without a purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. What was God teaching them? I'm not just a forgiver of sin. I'm your provider. My wife and I, uh, many years ago, were in the Elks Lodge and church was, I don't know, 30, 40 people. And we're just getting started, really. And there was six weeks where 
she worked full time for the church. I was a tennis pro at a club. And she got money just, that summer was just really tight. There wasn't really any money. One person visited our church from California and they popped in, came one time. Four weeks later, they sent a check to our church and they said, hey, this isn't for the church. This is for you and Miriam. It was $1,000. They have no idea how much we needed that, number one. They have no idea how much that encouraged our faith. It was like God was saying, I got you. I'll send money from California. How many know California takes your money? (laughs) They don't send your money. God wants to work in you so He can work through you. God wants to work in you so He can work through you. And here's what I've noticed. He isn't sorry about this. He's not like up in heaven like, oh God. Anthony, when you preach about finances and honoring me, there's gonna be a couple of people in your church that don't like it. I'm just nervous about it. Like the Lord's like, I can't even believe it. He's preaching on it. Years ago, I used to get nervous on it. Now I like it. Why? Because I know what it does to the hearts of people. Because I don't want consumers, I want disciples. I don't, I don't just want a bunch of Christians who say something but don't do something. We need Christians who honor and honor God. And there's something that happens in your heart and my heart when we do that. And here's the funny thing. Sometimes it takes years. And you don't even know why you're doing it. Wax off, wax off, wax off, wax off, wax off. And before you know it, you're like, oh, you taught me to be generous. And I didn't know. You taught me, you taught me faith. And I didn't know. You taught me honor. And I wasn't even aware. And I started even talking like Danielson to Mr. Miyagi. Why doesn't he wax his own cars? He said, no, because I need you to do it. Are you with me, Church of Life? I text messaged a couple of leaders recently in our church. I said, hey, just share some stories of transformation that's been happening in our men's groups. And man, the emails I got of life's changed. The emails I got of this one changed this marriage, they were about to divorce. This one changed, this one got off drugs, this one's taking responsibility. This one's just got a promotion. This one is doing this. This one is doing this. I had a man come up to me the other day. He said, Pastor Anthony, you prayed for our businesses two Sundays ago. He said, Tuesday, I got a promotion. They gave me a promotion of $25,000. And they said, I just want to thank you. It wasn't just that moment, but it was all the moments of working hard, being diligent and becoming a transformed man. And I just want to encourage you, man, that's the fruit of this house. That is what we do week in, week out. Come on, would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, I love you and praise you and I thank you for your people. They are yours. You made them and know them and love them and you have a plan for their life, God. God, I ask you to help them become disciples. I thank you for the opportunity I have. I thank you for the opportunity that the leaders have. I thank you for the opportunity our kids ministry and youth ministry and outreach teams and all that we do as a 
Church, I pray that we would be helping them follow you with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind. And there would literally be a, such a ripple effect on families because you change hearts. Teach us to be the men and women you've called us to be. Teach us to be warriors, I pray, in your kingdom. Teach us to trust you. Not with the leftovers, but with the best. Not with a quarter of our lives, but with all of our lives. Holy Spirit, take this Word and apply it in the unique ways that only You can. Change minds and hearts, I pray. Seal minds and seal hearts so that they might bear incredible, incredible fruit. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that this would minister life to people, that it would teach some that need teaching, it would remind some of them that need reminding, and it would encourage many who so faithfully honour you. I thank you for them. I bless you for them. Thank you, Jesus. Let your presence come even now, more richer. No one moving around in these moments. You might be here today. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you seem to stumble across something on YouTube, Instagram, and you walked in the doors and not even sure why you're here. I want to tell you that God has a plan uniquely for you. He loves you. So much so He died on the cross for you. This church exists so that those who are far from God, whether they know it or not, can find life in Him. Jesus said He is the life. And all of a sudden, when you begin to hear about Him, there's a life-giving Spirit that begins to draw you. So in this place right now, maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe your grandmother or grandfather was a strong Christian, but you don't know Him personally yourself. Maybe you're here today and you have ran away or fallen away from God. You just feel very distant in your own heart. Or even more, and sometimes strangely, sometimes you can feel close, but actually be blinded. Holy Spirit, draw every person who needs your touch right now. We're gonna pray a prayer in a moment. And that prayer is a faith declaration, but it's a seal. It's a faith declaration to say Jesus is Lord. And if you're here today, we're gonna pray this as a church family today, but if you're here today and you know you're far away from God or you know that there's something tugging in your heart that you need to surrender your life to Christ and say, God, I've done it my own way. Help me now do it your way. Be the honor of my life to lead you in a simple prayer where Jesus comes and Jesus meets you. Come on, church, let's say this prayer. Let's say this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for the plan you have for me, for my family, for the world. Thank you for loving me. I ask you, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my very best friend. Open my eyes to know you, to see you. I turn to you away from trusting myself, away from a life of rebellion to a life of grace, separated to you. In Jesus' name, while eyes are closed all across this place, if you meant business with God,
Would you quickly raise your hand and raise it up high, long enough and high enough for me to see it and recognize it. Thank you, those in the back. Thank you, those in the middle. Thank you, those over to the left and right. Thank you. Raise up your hand nice and high, just long enough and high enough. Thank you. The Holy Spirit's going to nudge some hearts even right now. And He's going to say, son, you need to come home. You need to come home. And just in a simple moment of declaring Jesus be the Lord, He'll draw you home. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every hand. I thank you for every heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, Church Alive. Can we give the Lord a hand? Can we stand to our feet just for a quick moment? Someone say with me, today I receive the Word of God. Help me think different. Help me feel different so I can be different. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your wisdom. Help me go out and honor you and be a blessing wherever I go. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Give the Lord a hand. Come on.